How to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the Westworld Podcast Game of Thrones Season 8 Recap and Review. Today we're recapping Episode 2, entitled A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. Hey, remember the days when I could not get through an intro, like, in the first three tries? Those days are gone. Those days, it will never happen ever again. I am... I am a pro now. I've I've learned the ways of the intro, and I shall never mess it up once more. And it, now that if you do, we have to edit it out just to just to keep your to let everybody know that you're great at this. So everyone's seen the Lord of the Rings. I I happen to think the Two Towers is the best one. And Two Towers Part Two is about to happen. Well, people have seen that scene, that uh, twenty minute scene. In the two towers where they're waiting for the battle to start, for the enemy to arrive. Um, and it's tense, and uh, there's some character interactions. So, like, what if that 20-minute scene were an hour long? Did you not like it? Is that the vibe I'm getting, that you didn't like Game of Thrones 69, A Night at the Seven Kingdoms? I did not. I thought it was very boring, and I will, I will get more in-depth in my complaints as we go on. Great. That's good. I I enjoyed it. I mean, they did take a two towers and then they added uh, that part where Pip sings, and we're like, bam, Pip Pod, same person. They sing. End game right there. Coming out this weekend. So this episode begins with the trial of Jamie Lannister, which we all know is going to be a big pivotal thing. It's it's definitely not just going to be one and done, resolved in five minutes. It was one and done, resolved in five minutes. It was, uh, but to be fair, Brienne of, Brienne of Tarth is the only reason that that occurred. Daenerys taking the center seat in Winterfell, Sansa being mad at him still for, you know, the murder of her father and, and just mistreatment of her family. Uh, they they were going to do something bad, James. And then they didn't. And it's another L in the bag for Tyrion as Jamie's like, yeah, Cersei's never coming. Baby might be real. She's drinking wine. That's I, We don't understand that fully. But yeah, it appears your sister has lied to everybody, or my sister, that is. Anyway, I'm Jamie Lannister. Can I stay? I'm going to complain about prestige television now. There is a trope in prestige television, and it's 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 apparent in many episodes of Game of Thrones. It was a huge problem in Breaking Bad and in Battlestar Galactica, which is where there's this really crazy cliffhanger, and you're like, wow, how are they going to get out? And it's then in the next episode, it's nothing. It's resolved in, immediately, and they just move on. I would have liked that scene to be longer. Um, I kind of understand why it wasn't, uh, to be, uh, they had an hour, this was a 58 minute episode, I believe, every episode after this is going to be an hour and 20 minutes-ish, but it was a scene that was long enough for Bran to be spitting hot fire as he does, saying the things you do for love to Jamie, which Jamie at some point is like, I'm not going to apologize for any of this, I did the things I did for my family, and Bran's like, you pushed me out of... A window for your family? <laughs> okay. So there's another trope of screenwriting, and it works mostly in sitcoms, where it's, oh, let's take these two characters who either don't interact a lot or haven't interacted in a while, and we'll, just, we'll put the two of them in a scene, 
and we'll just, oh, what would these characters say if they were together, right? And that's this whole episode. It's most of it. It's mo- But we've been waiting for so many of these conversations, or at least a few of these conversations. Like you said, this uh, this scene specifically, the first five minutes of this episode, where Jamie is in trouble and that he's not in trouble, is the vehicle that pushes it forward is Brienne of Tarth gets up. Sansa's like, you helped ruin my family. Brienne's like, he's cool. And Sansa was like, sick. That's literally all I needed from you. Let's all move on with our lives. And then John walks out and Danny's like, why is he being so cold to me? I wonder if some revelation occurred that I just don't know yet. Yeah, last episode I had predicted that Bran would be the one to step in and save Jamie, and I actually liked that, like, Bran didn't give a fuck either way. He basically had no skin in the game. So, does that tell us that, because Bran can see the future, that Jamie is just going to have a very singular storyline, and whatever happens to him is not going to overall affect if the Night King is going to win this? Is it, is it confirmed that Bran sees the future? I, I don't know. It's green sight future. That's a question I've had a lot of the time because the lore in the books, and I think anything goes in the show, but in the books, the reason that you can see all of the past is because the weirwood trees have been there for thousands of years, seeing everything with the eyes carved into them. So, I mean, in the next scene, Jamie talks to Bran, and to be, and you did a, uh, you got it basically correct last week. It was Jamie. Uh, hey, man, I'm sorry. Bran's like is what it is buddy and then the end of that scene bran asks jamie how do you know there's going to be an after at the end of it which is the point where i was like okay does he see the future or no but if he doesn't see the future that makes a lot more sense jamie lannister by the way he killed the king he had sexual intercourse with his sister multiple times fathered bastard children through incest, push a kid out of a tower, bludgeoned his cousin to death, attacked the hand of the king, and killed two of Richard Karstark's sons. He got away with it all. Five minutes. Bam. And we follow Jamie for a while. He talks to Tyrion. They do not have, I mean, they didn't last season either, any kind of heartfelt reunion. They just, you know, it's one of those awkward conversations where your friend is, like, talking shit about your ex, but, like, I don't know, you still kind of you know, have positive feelings for your ex, but you know you shouldn't, so you just let your friend shit talk them, which is what Tyrion did about Cersei. I was, I have been binging Game of Thrones. I'm on season five right now as I'm watching season eight, and I saw one scene last night. It's when Bronn and Jamie were going to Dorne to save Marcella, and Bronn uh, says to him, you know, if you ever see Tyrion again, give him my regards, and Jamie says, if I ever see Tyrion again, I'll split him in two. And I was like, "Ew, what? How did you? How did, <laughs> this is—it's such a weird, stupid line because it's like you don't feel that way. You're gonna feel gotta sound all all high and mighty to Bronn, like he cares." There's a next scene with Jamie. He's talking to Brienne, and again, it's like kind of awkward. They talk about training, and then Brienne's like, "How come you're not being an asshole like normal?" And Jamie replies that, oh, no, I respect you now, and I've turned my back on being a dick. Brienne getting up during his five-minute trial was, I think, just a way of her saying, hey, I kind of love you. I don't know what these feelings are exactly, and as impending doom comes upon us, I don't know if this is the time for me to be like, you and me, you and I. And Jamie, I believe, not platonically, loves her too, 
at the end of it is like, I'll be honored to serve under your command if you have me. And Bran's like, that's the hottest thing I've ever heard. So next, um, Jorah goes to talk to Daenerys and basically tells her not to fire Tyrion, who's just been fucking up after fuck up since he became Hand of the King. He basically hasn't made one right call. And Jorah's like, no, keep him on anyway. Yeah, this felt so weird to me. It was an obvious moment for Jorah to be like, hey, uh, maybe you should have chose me. But to be, I, again, am watching season five, and a part of season five is Jorah and Tyrion's adventure through Valeria and and to uh, Marine, where they get there and they and he gives Tyrion as a gift. And I recall how close the Hound and Arya felt on their odd two-man slash two, one-man, one-lady journey. And Jorah and Tyrion didn't even feel that close this time. Although Tyrion does save his head at one point saying that, you know, you can't, you shouldn't kill Jorah, but he can't even be next to you as you take the Iron Throne. So that that's that's all that doesn't matter anymore but yeah it was like yeah he's messing up but we still believe in him and i think that scene only really happened for the next part or at least during the war room scene when danny says Tyrion, you have to be in the crypts the first of like 10 times the crypts are said hey james i think something might happen in the crypts dude yeah, and they do the laundry list of, like, characters who can't fight, and they're like, you know what? No, you're going to be down in the crypts to protect everyone, not because you're useless in a fight, because you're going to protect uh, the weaklings that aren't you, the uh, other people. Ron Howard then comes in as a narrator. The crypts were, in fact, not safe during a battle against necromancy. Yeah, I wonder if zombie Ned Stark will make an appearance. That'd be something. Apparently, all Starks are buried with iron swords, which is supposed to somehow guard against, you know, necromancy. There's also this neat theory online that the Night King will not show up on the dragon and went straight to King's Landing for funsies, which will be interesting. Also, and we'll get to the war room scene, but they don't talk about the dragon that he has once. Like, how is that not a, how is that not a large part of the plan? Like, we have all these ground forces. Yeah, what are we going to do about the dragon? I, I get it that we have two other dragons. Uh, whatever. Let's just... Whatever. <laughs> After that, Jorah brings in Sansa because he thinks it's time that, you know, her and Daenerys had a conversation. And the writers are like, you know, what would Danny and Sansa talk about which could, you know, just kind of spin the wheels and not move the plot forward? But what interesting things could they say to each other? Number one... He was taller, <laughs> which is a line that Danny says to Sansa about Khal Drogo, the last person that she was in a relationship with. They both say to each other that they love John, and that is what they have in common. Sansa's dope now. She's my second favorite arc of the entire show behind Jamie, and an underestimated woman throughout this entire show. Her outfit is sick, and the conversation's going very well right up until Sansa's like, yeah, that's great. What about the North? What about the North, Danny? And then Danny takes her hand off Sansa. And all of that is ended because that's a three-minute scene right up until Theon shows up for, uh, you know, another three-minute scene. Yeah, Theon just wants to show up and say, I'm here. I'm here for the big fight. And everyone's like, okay, Theon, that's cool. I do like that Sansa embraced him, though. That's another part of her arc that's very That was nice. You're right. I'm a dick. That was a good part. 
Theon's gonna die, dude. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> directly after this, Arya speaks to Gendry, the shippable forces of Baratheon and Stark coming together. A something they don't know, but will know within ten minutes of this show. It's again incredibly shippable. This is not even the part. This is the part where the, there was flirting with knife throwing. Another can Arya just tell people that she's skilled? Why can't she just say, and by the way, I'm a trained assassin? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm not really feeling Arya and Bran anymore, because from an outsider's perspective, oh, they just went crazy. Arya and Bran just went nuts, and now they just walk around being crazy in Winterfell. And somehow they believe, like, if at least Bran is like, tell, or the three-eyed raven is saying what is occurring to him. I'm, I have green sight, I'm weird now, almost a human not quite there, but Arya's being so weirdly cagey. How about you bring up at some point that you have abilities that will be helpful rather than just surprise people? What I think what the point of it is is that she's going to do something that allows the side of the humans to win, and it will be it will be a surprise for not only for only the characters on the show not the audience though the moment she does something cool and assassiny everyone will be like yeah she went to bravos for a pretty long time and trained exactly for this but why are we all setting up for this moment where Jon snow is like oh my god aria you're so good now how did you not tell me for three episodes also uh, i want to point out just because this is really funny to me that in the past two episodes gendry's been smelting and casting obsidian which a bunch of YouTubers have pointed out is impossible because obsidian is created inside volcanoes and you can't really smelt it. You can carve it out of a big block, but it's impossible to, to smelt and cast obsidian. I just like that one of your problems with the episode is a blacksmithing problem. Like, okay, <laughs> okay, guys, this is one step too far. After that, Tormund, Beric, and Ed arrive at Winterfell and tell Jon that the army of the dead will arrive before morning. As Jon goes to hug Ed, Tormund basically tackles him from off screen, which was solid. I really enjoyed that. He says that the Umbers fight for the Night King now, and Tormund's priorities are very much in line because he ends the conversation with, Is the big woman still here? Yeah, this is an ongoing joke that Tormund wants to bang Brienne and... Uh, you know, we find out later in the episode why he's attracted to to tall women. Apparently, but, that uh, that was not a secret. He hasn't kept that. He a does secret not really seem like her type. Her type, I believe, is 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 Jamie saying to her, "I'll fight under you," and her being like, "That's exactly where I want you." Um, we get a scene with Gilly, who's taking care of some of the civilians, and it reminds us that, uh, Gilly's in the show. It reminds us that Gilly is there. It also reminds us, as the Onion Knight is giving soup to a little girl who has grayscale, just to specifically remind him of Shireen, she says, I want to fight for the North. He's like, you should go into the crypts, where it will definitely be safe. The second to fifth time that they bring up the crypts. Again, I don't think the crypts are going to be safe, but that little girl in Gilly is going to be down there. At this point, it's going to be Red Wedding Crypt style. It has to be. It's just, if, I'll get more, I'll get more into this later, but every time someone's like, it will be cool in the crypts, I'm going to, I feel as though like, it's going to be safer out on the fields with the zombies. So, 
In the next scene, they start planning their war strategy. And it was about this time, because when I was watching the episode, I was like, wow, they're really, they're going to start the battle this episode. They're really going for it. And it was about this time when I realized, oh, no, this is just a holding pattern. Nothing's happening this episode. But I like the plan they come up with. Bran, knowing that the White Walkers, while they hate humanity, they first and foremost hate the children of the forest. And so they will want to kill Bran since he's kind of inherited the will of the Children of the Forest by becoming the Three-Eyed Raven. And they're like, yeah, uh, nobody really cares about Bran anymore. Let's just use him as human bait to to bring out the Night's King. Bran is being GPS tracked by the Night King, so he believes that he will try to come for Bran no matter what and kill him, which is very convenient. He's going to sit by the tree. Theon and the Ironborn are going to stand next to him, which is... uh, Theon's going to die. Theon's going to sacrifice himself in some way to, to be able to redeem himself for the atrocities that occurred in earlier seasons. And Arya, it's like, will Dragonfire stop him? Bran's like, I don't know. And she's like, okay, well, you're not even you're not even helpful. So thanks for that. As the scene ends, Tyrion sits down for a deep conversation with Bran because he's the only one who is like, I think I should uh, ask this all-seeing, all-knowing, in the past, complete uh, psychopath some questions. He's the only one who's like, has anyone talked to this kid? I guess I should. We get Tormund's backstory, as I mentioned earlier, that, you know, he had sex with the uh, giant woman and then lived with her in, in, you know, in the the far north somewhere. And ever since then, he became Giant's Bane. This story, I think, is related to John in book two, but we're just now getting it. I think it was just taken for granted that it was the same backstory. And now that, you know, he's explicitly stating it. Right. That's the beginning of the scene in which all of the characters or <laughs> some of the characters sit by a fire and talk it out prior to that Missandei and gray worm have a short conversation in which gray worms like what do you want to do after this she's like i want to go back to the beach and in that moment you're like oh either both of you are going definitely one of you is going to die the internet said gray worm is going to die and Missandei will never see them again her again or him again but uh, Missandei is going to be the one who's in the crypts. It seems more likely now that Missandei and the crypts will die, Grey Worm will live, and then bring her back to a beach in which to bury her and then, you know, stay there and protect her people because it's going to be Red Wedding Part 2 in the crypts. Post that, John, Sam, and Ed reminisce on the top of the wall about the Night's Watch, about Pip, and about... Grin, they say again, Sam, you shouldn't be out here. You should be down in the crypts. And Sam with the big dick energy coming out with the I've killed a thin, I've killed a white walker. And by the way, I stole some books. I bet he is going to feel really bad about not being in the crypts because it seems as though, again, he'll live and everyone down there will die. There's ghosts down there, but a ghost is behind them. Nobody even talks about Ghost. Ghost is standing there. Hasn't been around for a bunch of episodes. Ghost, the the direwolf, is just standing there. Nobody even brings it up. (laughs) Okay. Next is the Arya Gendry sex scene, which I I didn't see coming. Um, I thought it would just be like, you know, in the epilogue of the show, they'd be like, oh yes, and Arya ended up marrying Gendry. But no, they, they bang in the show. 
Um, <laughs> they sure do. She's basically saying she doesn't want to die a virgin, um, and so she just bangs him. She and, takes uh, her own life into her own hands, James. She's hanging out with right. Barrick and the Hound, and she's like, I'm not going to spend my last night with you miserable shits as we're talking about the Lord of Light or whatever you guys are talking about. We still don't get a satisfying ending to the Hound and Arya, so they both have to definitely live because that has to... Oh, by the way, if the Hound dies prior to the Clegane Bowl, both I and the internet will explode. As Arya and Gendry get into it, she's asking, like, kind of prodding if Melisandre and him ended up being with each other and he was like nah it was mostly just leeches bro Arya's to asking how many people he slept with checking for STDs a girl must be safe and then he's like I didn't count she's like yes you did idiot I know you did by the way uh, right as this was occurring a one of the top googles in that moment was Maisie Williams age when she does look young but she is 20 Right, she looks fifteen. Everyone is watching it, thinking, "Oh, am I am I about to get put on some sort of list?" And also, this is right after Gendry tells her that he is a Baratheon bastard, and we hearken back to season one, episode one, where Robert and Ned are having a conversation, and Robert says, "We shall join our houses." And afterwards, when Gendry and Arya are done with the deed, and Gendry is sleeping, and she's kind of looking like. I don't think it was... Pra- it was mostly like, did I just sign up for this contract that I didn't even kind of know? I just kind of... I wanted to... I like Gendry. I've been flirting with him by throwing knives. And I wanted to have sex before I died. But I sort of might have just signed up for the Baratheon Stark hullabaloo. Yeah, I didn't see much of a point to this sex scene. Uh, just t- to be frank, I didn't find it really that erotic, and I also didn't think that there was much of a plot reason for it. So I basically feel like the showrunners threw it in there so that people can talk about it around the water cooler. Like, oh my god, can you believe, you know, Arya got naked? She's been on the show since she was a kid. That's honestly what I think it is. They're trying to gin up controversy. I don't think it was... Th- I think what they're trying to do is, like, Arya's empowerment and have it happen prior to the large battle scene where something might happen to Gendry. Probably not Arya. She's been a POV character for George R.R. Martin since the very beginning, and she's one of his favorites. So you you might assume that she doesn't die into something real cool to end the battle. And I, 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 I did feel weird. It felt weird watching the scene. The internet was like, no. I don't like this. I disapprove. And and then the other half of the internet came back and was like, "No, it's this is she takes she takes it. She has her own life and she's looking at it in the palm of her hand going, "I'll do whatever I want." And in this moment, it's the hammer boy. We get another one of those, "Oh, what would these two characters talk about if they were in a scene alone together?" And this time it's Sam and uh, Jorah. Another scene where it feels a little wishy-washy, although I, a part of it did occur so that Liana Mormont and Jorah could have a conversation. Yeah, and he, he offers him the what, heart's bane, the right. ancestral sword of, of House Tarly, and I don't, I don't even remember, does he take it? 
from him. He does take it as Liana wishes Jorah good fortune, which all that does is rip Jorah, by the way, 2011 to 2019. Jorah's definitely out of there. If Liana Mormont tells you that everything is going to be cool and she hopes that you live, you're probably not going to. Also, Sam says to him, I'll see you when it's over. Bam, another death sentence for Jorah. Right. It's like that scene in the movie Scream. I'll be right back. He wasn't. Ron Howard. He wasn't. Following this, we get the long scene in the... It's not the throne. It's just the room with the fire where Tyrion, Jaime, Brienne, Podrick, Davos, and Torment gather in the meeting hall to drink before the battle. Tyrion says to Jamie at the beginning of it when they're only when they're alone, you know, I wish father were here. And Jamie's like, what? How? You know you killed him, right? Any hoozles. By the way, how is Jamie's golden hand not a dragon glass hand? Opportunity missed. Yeah. That's they they could have put some sweet like Wolverine claws on it. They they should have. They it, it this was is something that I think everyone will look back upon and ask why. Yeah, all the reviewers are going to be like, this This season was a 9 out of 10, but it could have been a 10 out of 10 if they had put an obsidian wolverine claw on Jamie And make him Thanos a little bit. Make him Doomfist. It's, uh, what, anywho, um, Brienne and Podrick walk in. T- Tyrion obviously offers them a drink. Brienne lets Pod get half a glass, but Tyrion fills it up all the way. The look between Pod and Tyrion in that moment I very much enjoyed, where Pod was like, thank you and Tyrion's like oh baby if there's one person on this show who's gonna like fill your glass until it's overflowing it's me baby oh yeah and we didn't mention this but pod can fight now he was like training someone else in the yard so not only is he the man with the golden dick who prostitutes will bang for free but now he's a good fighter he is an all-around guy and as we'll learn soon he also has the golden voice getting pippin edge of the night from lord of the rings vibes Uh, And, I mean, it was an obvious, right? Like, the moment he started singing, I was like, I mean, this is a straight... They wanted to do a montage. They had to do a montage uh, with his voice going over it. Because what do you do when there's a uh, lead character singing? You do a montage. But it was was completely a callback to Lord of the Rings, right? Had to be. This whole episode is a callback to the Lord of the Rings. To be fair, I like the Lord of the Rings. So, and so do you, but we had still had different feelings about the episode. I did not predict what was the last important scene of the show, which was basically John breaking up with Daenerys. I was like, okay, yeah, they went for that right away. Like, like you would in reality if you found out that, uh, you know, your crazy girlfriend is actually not next in line to be king. You are, and then also she's your aunt. You would bring it up right away. You wouldn't sit on that. He did. He sat on it a little bit. He was dirt. He was in the Jamie Lannister trial at the beginning, just kind of thinking to himself, oh, boy, when am I going to tell her the bad news? Probably should be right before the battle starts so that a horn can go off and I don't have to deal with it. The around the fire scene, like I said, ends with, you know, the the song by Pod. But it also ends with the reason that this episode is called A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. And Jamie decides, hey, I, I have the ability to knight people. Boom. Brienne, you are knighted. Did you at all feel, what did you feel during that? Was that was that cool to you or was it just another part of the holding pattern that you were like, can we just get there, please? No, of of the, the, the dirtling scenes that achieved nothing, this was probably the best one. Because, you know, 
It's actually, it's not just a, what I felt like is just the product of a brainstorming session. Like, what would these two characters say? And if they were alone together, this was like, oh, this is a meaningful character moment that, you know, should happen. Jamie should knight Brienne. She deserves to be a knight and he's the one to do it. Brienne's smile after getting knighted was the most precious thing, I think, in Game of Thrones history. Tormund saying, fuck tradition in that moment leading to the knighting was the moment I guess feminism was born in the land of in the land of Winterfell and also in the land of Seven Kingdoms. And as that scene ends, as you said, we go down into the crypts, a place where it looks as though blood is or it feels as though blood is going to be shed. John tells Daenerys the good slash bad news. Daenerys brings up, like, you know, isn't it convenient that Bran is your brother and Sam is your best friend and they just told you this? And I was like, eh, that is a good point. John comes back with, like, no, it's the truth. I feel it in my I don't, bones. I don't even think it is a good point. She's just like, okay, uh, maybe uh, you are Aegon Targaryen and I'm your aunt. Or, uh, have you considered that you're an idiot and uh, <laughs> you're being uh, tricked into lies? Have you considered that this is fake news? I need a birth certificate from you immediately, please. By the way, all this is done right in front of Liana. This is the Liana statue is right there. And she's looking at him like, I'm not even around. I'm not even around. How dare you? By the way, horn blows. You don't have to finish this conversation. Thank God. Yeah. John is like, oh, thank God I get to go get killed by zombies now. (laughs) I don't have to keep talking about this. I would so rather be the Night King than be having this conversation with my girlfriend about how I'm definitely and how she's definitely my aunt. What a bummer. Which they do not say. She's like, if this is true, then that means you have a better claim to the Iron Throne. What they do not say is, oh, and then also we're blood relatives. And if we get married and have kids, our kids will be insane like my dad or my brother or like Joffrey. And she, they've already had intercourse. She perhaps could already be pregnant. I thought that would be something she would say maybe in that moment. He'd be like, listen, you're my aunt. And she'd be like, listen, I'm pregnant. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do, man? And he's like, don't worry about it. We're probably both about to die. They hear the horn. They go up onto the wall. Tyrion is looking out as a lot of White Walkers on horses. More than I thought would happen. And they give like a head nod to each other saying basically without words, hey, let's go get on our dragons. Right. Whoever gets to live, uh, whoever lives is king. And then if we're both still alive, uh, we'll finish this conversation. This is American gladiators featuring dragons and the Night King. And whoever comes out on top gets the Iron Throne. Do you think the Night King is going to show up in Winterfell? Or do you think that the weird internet theory that he's going straight to King's Landing is a real thing? It, it could be. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about predictions. I think the battle will be two episodes long. I don't think so. Because no. It, no, only based on the director of it. So the first two episodes was directed by David Nutter. And he then comes back to direct episode four. He feels like it feels like he is the guy who's directing the episodes that are the setup episodes. And then they bring back Miguel Sapchenik. I don't know how to say his last name, but he's the guy who they bring in for episodes that there are going to be large battles. And he directs episodes three and episodes five. So, Mm. so it feels like 
Episode four is going to be another setup of how do we get down to King's Landing? How do we do King's Landing thing? So just based on that, I feel as though episode three is going to be an hour and a half of the Battle of Winterfell. And episode five is going to be the an hour and a half of the Battle of King's Landing. That could be wrong, but it just, it does feel. By the way, also, this is the last episode not written by David and Dan. This was written by Brian Cogman. But yeah, just based on that, I feel like episode four will be another holding pattern as to how we get to King's Landing. But that and uh, that doesn't hold up for the theory of Night King on Viserion is going to King's Landing. Although maybe he is. Maybe uh, maybe a part of episode three is that King's Landing also just gets burned to crap. But that kind of throws out. The thing is, if that happens, dude. Like, if, if he goes to King Landing and, and kills everyone there, there's probably, like, a million people in King's Landing, because it's, like, more populous than most of Westeros combined, and it's probably just game over. Fleabottom stands no chance. Right, and the Night King resurrects, a hunt like, a million more people for his cause, and even, like, all the human armies in the world aren't adding up to a million, plus the 100,000 that they already have. So, yeah, I, I think the Night King on Viserion shows up in episode three and he's at King uh, Winterfell and not King's Landing. Although it would be cool if he just like bypassed it completely, went to King's Landing and was like, bam, I got a thousand uh, or a million more. But I don't want that. I want Jamie and Cersei to see each other again. I want the their ending that people have predicted where Cersei dies in Jamie's arms as the entire place is wildfire burning down. Uh, so I, I just sort of hope, but it in that in that line of things that has to happen, the Night King shows up next episode and is dealt with, or is like, all right, cool, I'm going back up above the wall. The winter is here, and I'm cool now. Based on something that happens in the crypts with some kind of prophecy, I I, I don't know. So, um, Ryan. I yeah. would like to challenge you to a bet oh, about gosh. the next episode. Okay. I think we should take the main characters who are currently at Winterfell and we'll each choose one by one, dodgeball style, our own teams, right? And then whichever characters make it out, whoever has the most characters who make it out wins the bet. And then whoever's characters mostly die then they have to pay some forfeit. Like, then you have to recap and review something of my choice. Or if if, if I lose, the same goes for me. If we do episode two of that weird robot show where the little girl is a robot, I would rather kill myself. <laughs> like well, see, then, I'm, I, whatever, if I win, I'm not watching. You're going to watch it and tell me about it. Oh, and that's vice much versa. worse. That's much worse. Yeah, I'm down. I like the stakes are high for this one. Okay, so Jorah, dead or alive? Well, so no. So here's what we're gonna do. Okay, uh, I, I didn't know the rules. We're each gonna we're each gonna pick one after the other. Someone we think is gonna win, and let's each choose five. Okay, so who's gonna go first? Oh, I have to get the the order of them. No, you don't have to pick the order. But I'm saying you and I between you and I, who's gonna who's gonna draft first? Who gets first pick? Oh, I think I should get first pick because you made this up. <laughs> Uh, but I also think that I should get first pick because, because uh, fuck you. No, no, no. Now, how about this? How about this? You right now, you say heads or tails, all right? Do you have a coin? Or are you just going to make it up? I'm, I'm, we're we're going to get Siri to do it. Oh, thank God. Uh, tails never fails, baby. Hey, Siri, flip a coin. 
Ah, oh, it's heads. Crap. <laughs> okay, so I'm going first. I'm going to pick Tyrion to live. He's mine to live ne- through the next episode. So I can pick a live or die, either one? No, no, you pick to live and uh, somebody at live. Winterfell. I pick Grey Worm to live. Okay, interesting, interesting. All right, well, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick fucking Daenerys to live, man. I pick Arya to live. Okay. Uh, I pick Jon Snow to live. I pick the Hound to live. Okay. I pick Miss Sandy to live. I pick Miss Sandy to die. Let's just go straight up on on that one. Oh, well, you have to because I already picked her to live, right? Great. Sounds great. <laughs> I pick Theon to die. No, you, you're picking to live. <laughs> I don't want to. I think he's going to die. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you take take Miss Sandy to live and Theon to live and we'll just count it if you're right. All right. I don't count. No, I don't want Theon to live. That's a that's a losing bet. Uh, I know you're picking Theon to die. When that's good, then I'll 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 follow your. I think Jon Snow will live. No, I already called Jon Snow. (laughs) Oh, I've been barely listening. Okay, Uh, so I have to pick someone to live right now who's not Jon Snow. Um, I pick Jaime Lannister to live. Okay, and I pick Sansa to live. You get one more. Who's gonna live? Oh man. Oh boy. Oh boy. I can't pick Cersei, right? That would be totally cheating. Um, <laughs> God, who else is gonna live? This is this is tough. Um, nobody in the crypts. You already picked Tyrion. I picked Samuel Tarly to live. Okay, all right. So neither one of us picked Bran. <laughs> we both think Bran might die. I guess. Oh, I mean, I I don't think Bran will die, but I just forgot he was a character, which I think is indicative of who he is as a character. <laughs> well, he, he, yeah, he hardly is anymore. Right. I don't. I can't have the Hound die. Clegane Bowl must happen. Helm after Helm's Deep Part Two. Clegane Bowl must occur. Okay, so uh, we also have some tweets to read. Laura at four five fire says at Westworld Ryan, I'm listening to your Game of Thrones podcast right now and laughing my head off at your intro. I love you guys. Wow, that's fan service for us. But to be fair, Game of Thrones is fan servicing for themselves, so I am going to take it. Patrick Lucio at Bakamon85 says, So happy you guys are doing Game of Thrones. Since season one of Westworld, I wanted to get your recap and review of this show. Thanks, man. Uh, we're glad you like it. <laughs> Did anyone tweet at us that we suck? I really, I need to, I want to balance this out. You know, if they thought we suck, they shouldn't listen to the whole episode. And, wow, and then, why are you getting they defensive against the thing that didn't happen? <laughs> you know, they, they don't need to come all the way there to tell us, all right? Yeah, but if you think we suck, let us know. Uh, we'll read it on air. We will actually read it. We'll read anything. Again, please just tell us what you've eaten for dinner. We I desperately want to be read something like, we had lemon cakes. Uh, returning champion Laura at Very Lovely LJ tweets, At Westworld Ryan, now you've got me Googling Crips of Winterfell. And uh, quoting you, hey, pal, that is, you're pushing your luck. That's my mom. That's my meow. Get off my meow, dude. Oh, yeah, I don't think. Oh, yeah. Which dragons, if any, are going to survive? If after you've watched season eight, episode three, tweet us your thoughts about it or tweet us your crazy predictions for the rest of the season, man. Or like Brian said, you know, tweet us uh, your conspiracy theories or your pancake recipes. We'll read them on air. 
making bacon pancakes. Do you are you gonna stick with your Daenerys is gonna win the throne? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I only picked that because I thought it would be likely narratively, but now it seems like the wind is blowing more in John's direction. But I mean, I, I I hedged my bets by picking them both to live through the next episode. Right. When she was in the warlock's place in like season two during that prophecy slash vision that she had, part of it was that she was turning away from the throne. So... If that could be just a misinformation, but it also could be foreshadowing that, you know, because she said a bunch of times that what she wants is the throne. She got mad at John, not for being his aunt, but for getting in the way of perhaps what the, what she wants the most, which is the Iron Throne. And he's like, yeah, I, I didn't even bring that up. I didn't bring that up, but, but you keep doing so. So it's sort of just setting up for her eventually sacrificing herself in some way and turning away from the throne to save her people, the people that she wants to rule in Westeros. Uh, but I have, I've changed my mind. I am not going for nobody's going to win the throne anymore. I'm on team oh. Tyrion now. No, that's yeah. wild. It is. Okay. So this is my, this, these are my feelings. I think she's going to, Danny is going to surprise me based on the prophecy that I completely forgot about until I reread it. That she's going to sacrifice herself in some way. She's going to figure out she's not Azora High as John lights a flaming sword, fulfilling the prophecy, ostensibly giving up her throne. John's already given up his throne. I think Danny will die and John will live at least long enough to suggest Tyrion be king. Tyrion at this point will be the queen's, the current queen, who is Cersei, only brother left, I think, after Cersei and Jaime die in the throne room while they're engulfed by wildfire. There's this also offshoot theory that the Mad King is Tyrion's dad, which is a really interesting one because it also brings up, did Tywin kill Tyrion's mother? Did he? Did she really die during childbirth? She could have, but perhaps Tywin finds out that she was cheating on him with the Mad King the entire time and liked it. I'm, I'm, I'm beating a, a, a character that's not even around who, who can't defend herself. But like think, Tyrion has pissed off the wall. He's been in the fighting pits of Marine. He's truly traveled the Seven Kingdoms, one of the only main characters who's actually done so. Varys will probably be on his side. Danny might be before she dies. So will John before he either dies or is like, yeah, I don't want to be. I've never wanted any of this power that anyone has ever given me. Tyrion is perfectly prepared to be king. He also might be a Targaryen. That's 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 neither here nor there, but. I think he, and, and although he has been taking a lot of L's lately, so is he prepared? Should he be king? And But a lot of this is based off of, I read the first chapter of Game of Thrones. I, I because I, I didn't, I wasn't going to, but I downloaded the first book and I've been reading it. And there's one very specific line where John sees Tyrion walking away and he says, and in one moment, his shadow is as tall as a king. And I think George R.R. R. Martin is the kind of writer who's just like, I told you, I told you from the very beginning and you guys didn't listen. The dwarf is king. So this is what I want for Tyrion. Is, what annoys me is that like everyone's like, oh, Tyrion's so smart. He's got the most, the biggest, most beautiful brain, but since saving King's Landing from Stannis, like, he hasn't had any, you know, impressive master strokes. And then also, um, everyone's like, oh no, Sansa's so smart and she's such a good player of the game, but it's like, is she? Has she proved herself in that way? So I'm hoping that both those characters 
get some kind of redemption where they really do step up and they do solve some problem before the end of the show. Because otherwise it's just fucking talk. It's just people saying how smart and cool they are when they haven't really proved themselves. I think Sansa has gone through enough where it would make sense slash she would do a good job as Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, I don't think she wants that. I think she wants to stay in the North and be either the Warden of the... She want, All she really cares about, to, and this it, it makes sense, she's a Stark, she wants the North to be safe, and she wants Daenerys to let the North be independent if she wins... But I think she she's gone through enough, just as much, almost as much, probably more than Tyrion has. I don't know if anyone has gone through as much as, as Sansa has, and has the arc that Sansa has from being somebody who's kind of annoying in Episode One to a person that I wouldn't mind running the world. But I I don't know. I, I it's. I mean, yeah, that, that's an interesting t- opinion. My take on it is that she mainly just gets by from leaning on more competent or capable characters and my take on Tyrion is just that he just fucking fucks up again and again and again like without you know since yeah he saved the city from Stannis since then it's just been one fuck up after another Amelia Clark said in an interview that they filmed a bunch of endings so that it couldn't be leaked by the way this episode was leaked seven hours before hbo put it out i did not watch it i didn't even know it was leaked but uh there was a group of people who got to see this episode prior to it actually airing that i and yeah you know do you remember when uh season five i think the first four episodes leaked but come on they were in standard definition what kind of animal is gonna watch game of thrones that way I think I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did that. That exact thing. P.S. And by the way, the song that uh, that Pod sings, Jenny of the Old Stones, is the first verse of it is in the books. Uh, and then they added a second one. But it's, again, just a bunch of foreshadowing for the crypts. I think everybody down there is going to die. And Arya's down there in the trailer running around pretty scared. Kind of like she's fighting the ghosts of Christmas past. Or Stark past. And, uh, like, that, I, I, they, they foreshadow, it would, they were beating us over the head with crypt talk. And if nothing happens down there, it will be honestly more surprising now, right? They, they sure are building to it. I think that you will be vindicated and that something will happen. Oh, I, yeah, I don't think it's a stretch to say anything will happen in the crypts at this point. I think it's a stretch to say nothing will happen there. Uh, but you know, I do there. I I kind of want, I kind of want John and Danny like driving around on their dragons, looking for the Night King, and him not being there, and him just being like, "I yeeted myself to King's Landing." What? What? <laughs> I, I I hope that he doesn't say those exact words, but I understand. Dan, what you no, mean. if Dan and Dave, Dan <laughs> and Dave are writing the last four episodes, and with them writing the dialogue, they might throw the word "yeet" in. You don't even you don't even know. Alright, so uh, (laughs) if you're just listening to the show, that means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter at WestworldRyan. Tweet at us uh, your thoughts after watching episode 3, what you thought about it, or any predictions you have of the upcoming episodes. If you got a long-form thing, email it to us at thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. That's the email. We're doing Game of Thrones now, though, alright? 
Yeah. I love our new logo that one of our friends put together, where it was just our old logo, but it's now a sign that says Game of Thrones with Danny pointing to it. Like, yeah, no, this is the life we're living, okay? Game of Thrones is happening. We talk a lot about Game of Thrones on our Westworld podcast, even during talking about and recapping Westworld. We in it now. We in it now. Also, uh, hosting an SSD stream for all the audio costs money, and Ryan and I are enthusiasts, and so uh, we comp that fee, and if you want to help support us monetarily, you can also uh, find us on Patreon, where if you donate at the $10,000 a month level, you get to live in Ryan's house. That's new to me, but I believe it to be true. Come on, $10,000 a month? Right, that's rent. That's what the rent is, <laughs> and it and it far exceeds the amount that we pay in audio hosting fees. So you'll get your own room. Uh, to be fair, my house is under construction right now. You might have heard hammers throughout this entirety. I, I've had headphones on, so I don't know, but this house is under renovation. So if you have just heard large thumps this entire time, I don't apologize, but I am sorry. So join us here next week for when we recap and review Season 3 of Episode Game of Thrones Season 8, which does not yet have a title. Oh, they don't have titles until, like, hours after the show anymore. It was Game of Thrones 69 to everyone on Earth before they had to Google it five hours later and see it was a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Hell yeah, bro. Game of Thrones 69. That Arya and Gendry wrote the title. Let's see... (laughs) Let's see what the opening credits are next week and how the White Walker army progression is is occurring. Perhaps it's it's oh, I guess it's to Winterfell. That this doesn't Who cares? Okay. <laughs> I'm James and I'm Ryan and this is the Westworld podcast. If Pod doesn't sing again, I quit. <laughs> <laughs>